Well, over this time, um, thank you for the privilege, but over this time, the Lord spoke to me about evangelism. Now, there's immediately some of your throats that go, ah. And the Lord said to me that I must come and teach the church how to evangelize. Because he didn't call individuals to evangelize. He called his church to evangelize. All of us. So he gave me a three phase, a three preach, whatever you want to call it, on evangelism. And today I'm just going to focus on the, the overall picture of evangelism and salvation. What does it look like? And then next week, we're going to look at what the gospel looks like. Preaching the gospel. And, and telling people how it changed your life. And then the third one, whenever the Lord opened that door for us to share is, once you're saved... Your sins are forgiven, but the consequences of your sins will never be taken away. We need to walk it through. The Holy Spirit help us with that. So that's the third one whenever that comes. But today I want to just focus on evangelism in general. And that we understand a couple of principles. Because I actually want to make a, a, a statement. And I've made it a couple of times in the past year. Is that. If the purpose of something is unknown, the abuse of it is inevitable. You get that one. If you don't know what's the purpose of something, you're going to misuse it. Why am I saying this? It's because I believe God wants us to declutter evangelism today. Because our perception of evangelism has actually crippled the church. And the church is not doing what they're supposed to do. Therefore, evangelists have to run around and do the church's job. You hear what I'm saying? I'm going to say today a couple of things that might offend you, that might stir your heart, that might hopefully blow your brains out of your head. But there's certain things we need to understand. What is God saying to us when he talks about evangelism? Now, I want to I make two points before we start, and the first point is, if we look at evangelism, do you know that the word evangelism and the word gospel in the Greek come actually from the same word? I'm not going to even try and pronounce it. It's, it's something like euangelizo. That's the Greek. So evangelism and gospel comes from the same word. What does it mean? Evangelism means actually to preach or to witness or to tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ. Did that sound right? Okay, now I'm going to stir your head again. The purpose of evangelism, in other words, preaching the good news of Jesus... The purpose of that is to put focus and honor to God, not to save souls. Now I've got you. Now I've got you. Did you hear what I said? When we evangelize, 
the focus of evangelism and telling people about Jesus is to put honor on Jesus and not to save souls. Why am I saying that? We can't save souls. The Holy Spirit can. And Jesus is the one that came to set us free. All right? I'm, I'm, I'm just messing with your heads this morning because I want you to grasp a couple of things. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You know that scripture. Do you? What does perish mean? Have you ever thought of that? Perish means... Going to shock you again. Perish means when you become no use to God, living and when you're dead. Do you know that your earthly life is the shortest time of your life? That the day you die physically and your soul go into, into the presence of God or wherever it then goes, but for us, it'll go into, the, into paradise to be with, with the Lord. He wants us there, even there, to fulfill a certain purpose. And what is that purpose? What is that purpose on earth and the purpose in heaven? We point to Him. We honor Him. That's what it's all about. And you know what's going to be great in heaven? We're not going to focus on one another. It's a place of family, but it's a temporary place. We're going to focus on Him together. That's what makes it so exciting. Who must evangelize? That's the second point I want to make. Who must evangelize? God's intention is for the church to evangelize. His body to evangelize. To tell the good news of Jesus. That's why he said, Jesus said this, go to Jerusalem and wait there until the gift that my father promised will come. Who is he referring to? The Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit, that was Jesus' words, when the Holy Spirit come upon you, you will receive power to do what? To be my witnesses. What is a witness? Is somebody that testifies. What is somebody that testifies? Is evangelizing. That's actually what it is. He didn't say, Philip, Peter, John. When the Holy Spirit come upon you, that's what you've got to do. He said, when the Holy Spirit come upon you, and it was not only the 12 apostles. It was everybody, 120 in that room. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they start testifying. So there's the proof that God didn't call individuals to evangelize. He called His church to evangelize. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? If you are, put your hand up. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Thank you. So if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit will help you to tell the good news. Because that's what we've been called for. Do you know there's only one place in the Bible that a person is called evangelist? Did you know that? 
Do you know who it was? Philip. And he wasn't the main man around. He was an apostle. It's not that Philip. He was one of the seven deacons. When the guys start moaning, yeah, our widows are not getting enough food. And then the apostles came together and said, listen, we must spend time in the presence of God, how to lead the people. We can't worry about the food stuff. And then they elected seven deacons. Philip was one of them. And the Bible says he preached. Man, he could preach. And wherever he preached, <laughs> the elders had to send guys to go and look after the people and minister to the people because the churches wasn't properly in place. In a place it said John and uh, I think John and Peter were sent out to go and disciple the people that, that, that Philip was preaching to. That's the only place it refers to a person as an evangelist. The second place it talks about evangelist is in Ephesians 4.11. The fivefold ministry. You've read that. It says there, and Jesus, he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers. We call that the fivefold ministry. Jesus gave that. We read that in, 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 in Ephesians uh, 4 8. He said, and Jesus ascended, and just before he ascended into heaven, he gave gifts to men. You know, there's certain um, interpretations in the Bible that said men gave gifts to him. How can they get that wrong? Jesus gave gifts. And this is the gifts he gave. The fivefold ministry gifts. Why did he give those gifts? It's very clear in Ephesians 4, um, 12, 11 and 12. It says, for the equipping of the saints. So what is our perception? And I want to break that perception this morning. Our perception is only evangelists need to evangelize. And we've got the privilege of Jonathan Conrad coming to George. We didn't advertise it that much because there's very limited space. But what is important here is to understand He's coming to George, but he's coming into our region. When he comes into our region, he brings that spirit of caring for the lost. He's awakening that. And we need to link into that. We need to grasp that. What a wonderful opportunity. When, whenever evangelists preach, go, go and listen. Because they give you some handles how to reach out to the lost. But I want to make it emphatically clear to you. Once you step into the fivefold ministry, then it is a gift that Jesus has given to you and he gives it to whoever he pleases. So not everybody's got it. So if you call to be an evangelist and stand in the office of evangelist, your main function is not to evangelize. Your main function is to teach the, the, the church to evangelize. We miss that thing. Is that thing breaking? Come on, is that thing breaking in your mind? I want to break that thing. Because all of us are called to evangelize. Not only the evangelist. Some say, I've got the gift of evangelism. Some say, I'm an evangelist. No, 
I don't see myself as evangelist. I see myself as a simple man with a heart for the lost. Why am I saying it that way? Because we always want to link to titles. Come on. It is important that we hear what God is saying to us, what to do. And you know what is the hardest thing to do is when I preach here this morning is to tell us that the church is not doing what the church is supposed to do. We sit here and we enjoy this wonderful presence of God. And the world out there is dying. Because we're navel-gazing all the time. Sorry that I'm hard on you, but I, I, I want to shake you. And, and I want you to understand, God has broken me. Because I didn't understand it. And once He revealed this to me, it changed my life. I'm seeing things completely differently. So every time, we read scripture about evangelism. It was focused and given to the church, not to individual. Do you understand that? We are being asked to evangelize. When Jesus opened his mouth, that's what he said. Go out and tell the story of what I did for you. Go out there and do it. So here's the question. We all know that God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, three in one, in the beginning, together, created the universe. We all, we all agree upon that. He made earth and, and people. The question is why? Why did God do that? Why would he do something like that? Have you thought of that? It says in Genesis 1, verse 1, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Do you know what that created mean? He revealed himself. That's why he made heaven and earth and people, is to reveal himself. I read something that's so beautiful and I need to just repeat it here for you. God is fully good, fully loving, fully beautiful and absolutely true. And these now circle with this word, characteristics. Continually flow out of him. So when God made people and he made the earth, all that beauty and that treasure and that, that power just flowed out of him. And he made everything in creation to reveal himself. And so that the, the thing he made is to, is to enjoy who he is. Do you understand that God made you so that you can enjoy who he is? And to worship him. So that he can enjoy his creation. Loving him. Why did he make it? Why did he make all these things? Isaiah 43, 7. Everyone who is calling by my name, who I created for my glory. 
You don't have to put this up. I'm going to run quickly because our time is, is of essence. Colossians 1.16. For by him, that is Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Romans 11.36, for from him and through him and to him all things are. Do you realize that everything that is made, we, the earth, the trees, everything out there is only pointing one way. To him. To him. Sorry, I'm going now. I didn't prepare this. How dare we? How dare we not be satisfied the way God made you? How dare we want to change what God made perfect? And you know what I'm talking about. How dare we do that? How can you criticize yourself as unworthy? He made us perfect in His sight. He revealed Himself through us. That's why He made us. And God's original plan. You know what was God's original plan? We read that in Genesis. Is to walk and live amongst His creation. We see that Adam and Eve, when they were stoked, what did they do? They hid. They were always naked, and when they sinned, they looked down and oh, what is that? We've got to close this up. And then they made some leaves to close everything up, and they hid. And they said in the word that they heard God walk in the garden at the cool of day. Now, that happened before as well. I wonder what they talk about. But it's God the Father that walked in the garden with them. But listen, this scripture is so scary. Then sin came in. Sin came into the picture. That beautiful picture of God's original plan for us to live with Him, to walk with Him, for the Father to live amongst us was His original plan. God messed up by sin. And what did sin do? It separated us from the glory of God. Isaiah 59. It was, we were plucked out of, his, out of His presence. And we chucked. And it said, and, and it closed God's ears to us. But listen to this scripture. Please listen. And I please put it up. For those that can't hear me. They need to read this. Genesis 6 verse 5. Genesis 6 verse 5. There we go. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man 
whom I have created from the face of this land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I've made them. No, 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 not that one yet. Can you imagine when God made everything beautiful and they looked at it and sin came in and separated us? God said, I will wipe everything away. Everything I've made, I'll just wipe it away. He was grieved. How must it feel for the father to be grieved? I didn't plan this. I, I, I mentioned it in the com. If, if you were given the opportunity to make your life partner, okay? God comes to you and said, you make your life partner. You, you build your wife and your husband exactly, spiritual, physical, emotional, exactly the way you want that person to be. And you build this. Now, I see some of you got pictures. <laughs> This is your opportunity to dream. <laughs> and after you've made this perfect person that will honor you, you ask that person, wow, what an honor to be with you. And that person say, not now. I'll see you later. How would you feel? That's how God felt. That's how we felt. He made something beautiful and perfect. And we decided, not now. Not now, Lord. It's not time now. And then, and then, and then, verse 8. And then, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Do you realize that God wanted to wipe everything, destroy everything that he made? But Noah found favor. And because of Noah, God decided, I'm going to change my plan. Do God change his plans? Often. You know why? Because of us. Stubborn us. And God changed his plan. And he said, from now on, I'll do everything to win my people back. And set them free from sin. Because they didn't. And then he, he, he revealed himself to the prophets. And the prophets spoke. And the only way that the prophets said, you're sinning. And you're sinning. And then they had to go and do sacrifices for the forgiveness of their sins. But at the end of the day, summed up my words. In the Old Testament, people couldn't get released or set free. From their sins. It was a temporary thing. You sacrifice now, tomorrow you sin again. You couldn't get free. And then Jesus said, uh, the Father said, I'll, I'll bring my ultimate plan. And my ultimate plan is Jesus Christ, my son. I will send him to earth so the people can be set free. Do you realize that God's original plan was for the Father to live amongst us? And it was messed up by sin. 
in the Old Testament, people couldn't get set free from their sin. And the father said, I'll send my son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross so that we can be set free from our sins so that he can get us back to his original plan. Where do we see in the Bible we're getting back to God's original plan? Where do we see that? Revelations 22. The new Jerusalem. New earth. New heaven. And who comes with the new Jerusalem? John said, I saw the new Jerusalem, the new city coming down. And then what do we find? When he starts explaining the new city, we find that the Father is living amongst His people. How cool is that going to be? To walk and see, here's Jesus. Here's the Father. He's amongst us. How cool is it going to be to see that the fruit is every month there's new fruit. Fresh fruit. There's nothing rotten. There's nobody sick. Everybody is healthy. Everybody is happy. That's God's original plan. And he said, I'll put a, 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 a plan in motion so that I can get them back. Listen to this scripture. Romans 10.8 to 10.10. We can put that up. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Read that together. What does it say? You will be saved. Can I say a harsh thing? While I'm in trouble, I let Summa go all the way. If you believe, but you haven't confessed with your mouth, you're not saved. I doubt it. Because when God come and change our hearts, it flows out of our mouth. And that's what he said to us. He said, I want you to preach the gospel. Tell people about Jesus. Tell people what I've done on the cross for them. And that's God's original plan. He says, I want people to come back. I want them back. I want to free them from sin and the consequences of sin. I want them back. And then a scripture that you all know. Matthew 28, 19. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Next. Teaching them. To observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Do you know what he's saying there? What Jesus said? He said, go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them and teach them. We've got to start this process of getting people free from their sin. But do you realize when he said, go and make disciples, do, do you understand what is he actually saying? Before you can baptize somebody, there's a whole process that needs to take place. We need to connect with people. Because what is evangelism? It's 
telling people about the good news of Jesus, what Jesus did on the cross. That's the good news. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus died on the cross for our sins to set us free. Jesus was raised from the dead by His Father. Jesus went up into heaven, sitting at the right-hand side of the Father. And Jesus sent, and the Father and Jesus sent the Holy Spirit that empower us to witness of what He has done on this earth for us. So we need to go out and tell people of what Jesus has done. But you must understand that telling people what Jesus has done, that there's a couple of things that need to fall in place. What does it look like? What does it look like? Because when, when, when I come to Ari, I don't know Ari at all. How am I going to connect with him? How am I going to get to him? How am I going to get to the opportunity to tell him about Jesus? I don't know him. I build relationship. And when there's relationship, then I can tell him. You can never move anybody outside of relationship. Everything concerning God is within relationship with one another. Loving one another. So now, I know him, but he's not saved. So I can go to Ari and say, Ari, can I tell you about Jesus? And because he loves me, he'll say, yes, tell me. And then I tell him about Jesus. Then he gets the gospel. Here's the next question. If you have to reach out to people that you do not have relationship with, how are you going to break through to them to give you that opportunity? And this is the one that excites me the most. Through signs and wonders. If you haven't got a relationship with people, okay, let me rephrase that. Who of you are relationship type of people? You, you get along with people easy. You're relationship type. Just put up your hands. Okay. Looks like there's more square people now. What I mean by that. Who of you like structure? You like square things. Everything neat. Put your hand up. You like structure. Okay. So here's a word for you. For those that, that, that is easy to relate to people, you most probably will connect with people because of relationship. So those that struggle with relationship, you need to start trusting God for signs and wonders. I don't know you. But I believe your left ear is got a problem. You don't hear properly with that ear. You say, how, how, how did he know that? I'm just... I'm just taking example here. Uh, is it true? Okay. <laughs> just want to say, oh, Lord. <laughs> He's left here. So, can I pray for you? Yes. In Jesus' name, be cool. Can you hear that? Woo! I hear that. Give praise to the Lord. Now he comes to me and he says, how did you do that? 
can I tell you about Jesus? You see how it comes in. A word of knowledge. Or somebody's sick, you pray for them and they get healed. How did you do that? Can I tell you about Jesus? Now I want to break another thing. I didn't plan this. We constantly ask for signs and wonders. Just to confirm that we're on the right road. Stop it. Stop it. Signs and wonders is not for us. Signs and wonders are supposed to be there to convince people out there that the Lord we serve is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. That's what He wants us to do. So that's the two ways you're going to relate. is in relationship or by signs and wonders. And then once you've got that person to allow you to, to hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus, you will tell them, Yo, can I tell you about this? And now next week, I'll tell you about the gospel, how you preach the gospel. Okay, but uh, do you know Jesus? He's the son of God. And, and you know what? Because your ear has been, no, 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 let me go back here. Because your ear was healed. You know he's the son of God. And you know that he died on the cross for your sins. And he shed his blood for you. And he died. And he went and he set the captives free. And he came and he gave us a task to do. Go out and preach the gospel. And he was taken up into heaven and he sent us the Holy Spirit to lead us and show us what we need to do on this earth. Do you believe that? Do you believe it? Yes. Okay. Now I'm going to tell you how I changed my life. I was nine years old. And this is true. I was nine years old when I heard my voice called Emsley. And I went out of my room and I went and, and I said, Dad, did you call me? He said, no, I didn't call you. I thought, no, my dad's fooling with me. I went back in my room and I heard the word Emsley again. And I said, Dad, are you fooling with me? He said, no, I didn't call you. Now, at that time, we were all unsaved in the house. So for some other reason, I had to figure this out. A nine-year-old boy, how do you figure that out? I thought, maybe it's Jesus. And I waited, and I heard my name again. I said, Jesus, is that you? He said, yes. You will work for me one day. That's all he said. And it changed my life. It changed my life. And that was February 1967 that I met Jesus. I ran to my mother and I said, Mom, you must know what happened with me. And I'm crying. And I could see her eyes go skew. What are you talking about? But I had to tell her what God has done in my life. And I heard Jesus speak my name. How did Mary, when Jesus was raised from the dead, he spoke to Mary, she didn't recognize him. When did she recognize him? When Jesus spoke her name, Mary. But it's you. I know 
what it sounds like when Jesus speaks my name. Do you know that? Do you know what it sounds like when he speaks to you? Do you know that every day he's calling you by your name? Do you know what that sounds like? <laughs> now that you believe, say it. I believe. What do you believe? I believe that Jesus died for me and rose again. Amen. Welcome. You are saved. That's what the word tells us. Sorry, I'm going to be naughty now. How did I do it in the past? Let me put the culprit. Whoever wants to accept Jesus Christ in your life, put your hands up. I've invited a lot of people into my home and I've got no relationship with them. But the word is very clear. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you are saved. Then, what's the next thing we do? We baptize. What is baptism? Baptism in water is actually your first public testimony of your salvation. Now you've started a process. Do you hear what I'm saying? A process. The process is when you say, Lord, I believe, and you confess it with your mouth, You've just entered a process that will take you a lifetime. And that process is called salvation. Because Paul said it in the word. You've got to walk out your salvation with fear and trembling. Because it's a process. How does that process look like? He's just now got saved. He declared it with his mouth. So let's go and baptize. Then we baptize him. Thank you, Lord. And like with Jesus, the Holy Spirit fell on Jesus when he was baptized. And in his case, he did as well. In, in this case, I'm just taking an example. But now, he's sinless. Who says no? When you ask for forgiveness... You sinless until you sin again. Aha. So he's sinless at that moment. Sin has been taken away until we sin again. But now we've got the privilege of saying, Lord, the Holy Spirit come and say, hey, 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 hey. Why did you just steal that sweet? I'm sorry, Lord. How are you going to be released from that sin? Confess. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord. Why would you confess? What, what, what is evangelism? Evangelism is coming to a person's life and putting the real thing next to him so that that person can at least have the privilege to, to determine what is right and what is wrong. You will never know what is right or wrong if you don't can, can measure it to the real thing. And in this case, what Jesus did, if you put that next to that person, they realized, I've missed it. I've, I completely missed it. 
I've asked Jesus to come into my life to forgive my sins. Like a selfish. Why do you think he wants to, 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 to set us free from our sins? So that we can go and evangelize. That we can go and preach. That we can go and witness what he's done in our lives. So spiritually we're this fat. Because we're eating every Sunday a good meal. And we go home. And we go and sleep so that all the fat can be dispersed in our bodies. And Jesus said, what I've given you is not for you. It's for the world out there. As soon as you get saved, your sins will be forgiven when you ask. But you've got a job to do, and that job is to tell people about the good news of Jesus. We become part of a salvation process. That salvation process puts you in a process to help people come back into God's original plan. Your name again? Aiden. Aiden. How can I forget that? Aiden. So Aiden is now sinless. Because he just asked the Lord to forgive him. So he's sinless. There's one thing God can't take away from you. And I'll go in detail on the third session on that. There's consequences of the sins that he, that he committed before he got saved. And that consequences God will never take away. But the Holy Spirit will give us the, the energy and the power to walk through it. And how will he be able to do that? And this is where the techie hits the top. You need to become part of this church because we love you. And God has called the church to walk with people and make them healthy and get them to a place where they can just receive the, 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 the glory of living amongst the, the Father one day again. So now we're going to help you walk that. And we're going to build relationships. And we have communities, which is small groups. What do we do? We love one another there. And we help one another to walk through the consequences of our sins. To keep us on the straight path. To train us there how to preach the gospel. How to tell people about Jesus. That is the process of salvation. That's God's ultimate plan to get all of us back to his original plan. And all of us are back into his original plan. By accepting him, believing in him, declaring it with our mouth. He forgives our sins. But the world out there is dying. They don't know it. Jesus died for them as well. The road we need to walk is to go and fetch them and bring them in so that they can be, hear the gospel and then hear how the gospel changed my life and then give them the opportunity through the Holy Spirit to make that decision, to, to believe and to confess and then get them into calm and then walk together and help one another so that we can stay 
saved. Do you hear what I'm saying? Stay saved. I'm skipping a couple of things. I want to come in for a landing. Can you leave? Can you lose your salvation? Can I ask you this? Do you believe once saved, always saved? Don't put up your hand. The question is, can you lose your salvation? The answer is yes, you can. Okay, now a couple of people are getting nervous here. The word is very clear about that. Don't put it up. I'm going to read it quickly because we're running out of time. Hebrews 6.4. For it is impossible. Do you know that word? Impossible. In the case of those have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. The big word is, is apostasy. Is if you fall away as you fall. If you've if you've said Jesus, I believe, and you've confessed it with your mouth, and you've filled with the Holy Spirit, and you've seen the power of the Holy Spirit, and you turn away from it and say, God, you do not exist. Holy Spirit, I, I, I rebuke you. It is impossible for somebody like that to return to God. That is scary. The most scary part is if you've tasted the way and you've lost it. What sin? There's one sin that will never be forgiven. Do you know what sin is that? If you have sin against the Holy Spirit. You can rebuke Jesus and you will be forgiven. But if you rebuke the Holy Spirit, you will not be forgiven. That's when somebody fall away. But the other scary part is, we think we are doing well. And then you can go read in Matthew 7, 21 to 23. When we come there and say, Lord Jesus is who you. That's my version. But Lord, you're supposed to know me. We prophesied in your name. We healed the sick. We've driven demons out of people. And Jesus looked at them and he says, I don't know you. Go away from me. As people think, they are saved. Can you do something about that when you stand in front of Jesus after your spirit has left your body? Your soul? No. It's the lot. It's too late. It's too late. Five minutes. <sighs> Before I make the call, I just explained this to you. Can I give you a tip? And this is what the Lord revealed to me. I said, Lord, but how can we do this practically? How, how can we reach out to the unsaved out there? 
and for the com leaders and for you in comms, this is maybe one of the ways to do it within a relationship. Is, is if you as a com get together and, and you say to one another, hey, uh, Samantha, do you know somebody that is unsafe but you've got a relationship with? Yes, you do. Can I ask this? Do you know somebody that's unsaved that you have a relationship with? Put your hand up. Look there. Okay. So everybody in the comp, take that name and put it on the table. Okay? Because you've already got, somebody's got a relationship with that person. So what's the next thing you do? You start praying as a comp. Lord, with whom do we start? So what do you learn here? You learn to pray together and to hear the voice of God and to discern it's not many, many, many more. We start there. No. Lord, who do you say? And God will show you who is the first person that you need to reach out. So because Theo put that person's name on. Theo, we want to ask you, will you invite that person for coffee? Just the two of you. Just build a relationship. You don't talk about the Lord. Nothing. You just have coffee. Next week or two weeks later, you... And the two of you invite that person for a meal. You don't talk about Jesus. Maybe two, three weeks later, you invite that person to the calm. And there, during this process, God will open the door for you to be able to talk to this person about Jesus. Then maybe six, seven weeks down the line, since you've invited him for a coffee, that person will land up in church, saved, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that gorgeous? That's wonderful. Do you know what? Last year, the first seven months, we had more than 500 visitors. We kept 2% of them. Why? Because people come in here and they come and say, yeah, uh, first time visit here, uh, I've been in a church or I've not been in a church. Yes, but you're a lot of weirdos. Why do you do that? And they've got nobody to ask. So they walk out here, can't answer and said, I'll never go back there. We only keep 2%. But people that come through the calm first, we keep 85% of them. I've got the stats. Why? It's because there's relationship. It's because the body of Christ is evangelizing. We're reaching out to the lost. So I dare you as comms. I've, I've started this a couple of weeks ago at Hartenbos. It's amazing to see how those people that they, they couldn't breathe when you talk about evangelism. All of a sudden think, I don't have to do it alone. I'm in the calm. I'm in the team. So now we do it together. We work as a team together. People are getting saved. People are getting into the comms. That's what evangelism is all about. Preaching the good news of Jesus and being wise and being led by the Holy Spirit. That's how we do it.